and welcome to Clashpiracy episode 5, unless we've deleted some previous ones, then maybe like episode 2. <laughs> we, we've already released 3, so... We can delete them in no. the future. Well, victory is written by the winners. That is... Victories? Victor History. victories? <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Clashpiracy, the only podcast dedicated to Rob Zombie. God rest his soul. Bless him. I loved him in Day of the Dead, the Mexican I famous really day. I really, I loved him in Up. Oh wait, no, no that's, that's, that's George Romero. Hold on. Oh, and all of our sins are wiped clean. All right, James. <laughs> what are we I doing today? What are I we know, doing? Today? I don't know because I don't want to like I don't want to actually say what what conspiracies we're doing until they get to their moment because. I like oh. to do a reveal. I like to do a reveal paragraph, you know? Like, well, what was it going to be? Here's some words associated with it. Here's a little bit of a tease, a little bit of a flirt. Oh, I've picked my skirt up. Is that my butt cheek? No, it's the Nazis are living inside the earth. Ah, it's a good thing that we didn't uh, format our titles in a way that would give away what we're talking about, too. I so agree. We've really covered all of our bases here. I'm doing Flat Earth. trying to think of a conspiracy that wasn't my own butt. I couldn't think of anything that wasn't <laughs> flat earth and I didn't want to reveal it, what you were doing and it was so hard. I was like, all the conspiracies that have ever oh. existed just went from my mind. Every conspiracy is my ass right now. <laughs> Shall I explain what the podcast is? Do we need I to would... do this every time? <laughs> I, I like a brief overview. I mean, we're already uh, creeping up on... We're, we're past five minutes already, and I'd say we have about a minute's worth of content here. But, <coughs> I, as I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted... I'm paying the price. <laughs> the victory sips, no... <laughs> Who wrote them? Yeah, I think we should give a brief overview every time. All right, guys. So, Clashpiracy, the podcast you're listening to right now, hosted by James and myself. What we do is we talk you through two different conspiracies. James will do one. I'll do one. And at the end, we'll pit them head to head to find out which conspiracy takes home the victory crown for this episode. Which was better? And we'll rate that conspiracy against three different categories james what are the categories the categories always in this order never in any other order our hook which is the believability uh, i believe this is a reference to some sort of half-baked movie that clem really likes uh deep impact which is the you know how does this affect me how does this affect the world what are the implications if this were true uh, is this conspiracy utterly life-changing, or is it just a fun little Snapple cap trivia fact? And then the last category, formerly known as Inception, is the coolness or the X factor of the conspiracy. Is it just neat? Is it dinosaurs that are being raised inside of abandoned telephone booths and they're being used as sleeper cells to assassinate people? Or is it lead poisoning? <laughs> I've reached my incoherence quota for the day. <laughs> what do you do with your eyes when we record the podcast? What? I'm about to start my conspiracy, everybody. Your hot cocos in hand, please. Mayhaps <laughs> an Oreo or two, double stuffed. Yes, please. The fire's crackling, your feet are up, or mayhaps you're just on a miserable commute to work. There is one shape, so formidable, that it often finds itself deeply embroiled in the darker side of human experience. From the insidious puppeteering of the global elite, to a mysterious all-engulfing void, this domineering polygon, simpy of Pythagoras's parasocial wet dreams, <laughs> has been a perplexing presence throughout human history. This, ladies and gentlemen... They them's is the triangle. Today we're touching uh, what? What, James? I just real I just realized you were saying simply, and I thought you said simply. No, I said simp e, like a simp the object of a simp's affections, the simp e. Simp e of Pyth. Oh, yeah. That's 
I well, I double checked it on Urban Dictionary to make sure that that (laughs) simpy was the appropriate terminology. I was gonna say it sounds very Shakespearean, and then we immediately brought it to Urban Dictionary. I like to clash cultures. (laughs) I'm a I'm like an an intellectual lady that has also spent too much time watching XQC, and that's really created a broad cultural experience and palette. You could say you do a little bit of clashing, (laughs) bit of a clasher. Today, we're touching on but a fraction of this three-sided menace's prolific past. I'm going to talk to you about one infamous triangle. A triangle that haunted the dreams of many 70s and 80s kids. A gateway triangle, if you will, into more complex equilateral conspiracies. I present to you the Bermuda Triangle. James, I was going to request you do some tense mouth sounds at that moment. (laughs) Oh, I was thinking more like boom, boom, boom. You know? Boom, boom, boom. I'll look on TikTok to see if we can find like a mouth artist. No, uh, well, I, I feel like my mouth was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's my first date all over again. <laughs> An overbearing presence in the North Atlantic Ocean. The invisible sides of the Bermuda Triangle spread from the island of Bermuda to Puerto Rico to Miami. The precise size of the area covered varies greatly according to different sources, but it's safe to say it's bigger than South Africa, but smaller than India. So in short, large. We'll say it's large. It's a big old wet space. Can it fit in a bread box? (laughs) Okay, I had too much saliva in my mouth. And that's where it should be. If it was going to be anywhere, it it would be be in the mouth. Sorry, guys. I had too much saliva on my toes. Anyway, (laughs) this big triangle. (laughs) It's within this vast open ocean that the mystery begins. Over the last two to three centuries, since we've had documentation in sailing, many vessels, boats, and planes have disappeared whilst in its confines. The precise number varies. I heard 2,000 somewhere. I heard 50 somewhere else. But since the area became infamous, it's attracted a lot of myths and wives' tales. People will make up stories of missing crafts just to compound the mystery. And whilst this may muddy the waters (laughs) when it comes to reporting on the paranormal adjacent activity the Bermuda Triangle has to offer, the reams of fiction serve to show how captivating this phenomenon has become. Something was going on, and the world wanted to know what it was. Given the unreliable nature of numerical reporting, I'm going to focus on a couple of specific incidents and a few other neat little tidbits, isosceles morsels, if you will, to wet the intrigue whistle. I'll start with a Clash Brosy favourite, the kooky eyewitness first-hand experience. Yay. Let me talk to you about Bruce Gurnon. Bruce is a big triangle guy. He's gone full dick and balls into this conspiracy, but for good reason. Bruce Gurnon survived the triangle. The year is 1970. Month? December. Day? (laughs) The 4th. Age? 23. Bruce was flying in a single engine aircraft known as the Beechcraft Bonanza. Fun. That's adorable. That's super cute. It is, right? It really took me out of, like, I was trying to feel spooky about the Bermuda Triangle, but Beechcraft Bonanza was having none of that. It's literally a Donkey Kong level or something. (laughs) He was with his father and his business pastor. (laughs) (laughs) He ordains at all the services while I'm on business trips. I keep them in my briefcase. Bruce was flying with his father and business partner that day. The journey, like many they had taken before, was between the Bahamas and Florida. Can't relate, more of a bed-to-fridge kind of girl. 90 minutes it should take. 250 miles. But almost immediately, on that fateful day in December, the 4th of the year 1970, strange things started to occur. At 1,000 feet altitude, he saw a cloud getting bigger in front of him. At 11,000 feet, (laughs) he had become completely surrounded by the same cloud that was growing in size. (laughs) At that moment, the walls of the cloud got narrow. The compasses 
on his dashboard started spinning. The instruments Ooh. malfunctioned. Bruce was unable to regain control. Something strange was happening. All around him, the cloud turned into a giant cylinder. He couldn't see either end. He could just see the vortex of clouds spinning around him. There was no longer light. But it was daytime. And there were <laughs> flashes everywhere, but they weren't lightning, as you might suspect when in a dark storm cloud. He said they lit up the entire walls of the cloud, so everything was visible instantly in this whirling vortex. Moments later, Bruce saw light at the end of the tunnel. Feeling mild relief and regaining control of the aircraft, the three intrepid flyers... <laughs> the three men... What did I say before that word? Feeling an, feeling an immense sense of relief, probably, although it's not documented. The three men escaped the giant cloud. Bruce felt weightless and finally regained radio control. He spoke to the men at Miami Air Flight Control Tower and said, Guys, I'm lost. Where am I? I need help. And they said, you're not in the airspace, dude. You're, you're not. Are you sure you're in the plane? You're not coming up on the radar. There's no little beeping green dot where your aircraft should be. And he was like, guys, but like I'm in the plane. Can you hear? Can you hear the birds flying by? There was a big cloud back there. Can you see that guy? And they're like, hold on, Bruce. We found you, mate. You're only over bloody Miami already. And he was like, that's not possible, guys. I only left 47 minutes ago and it's a 90 minute journey. The speed of the Beechcraft Bonanza is only 180 miles per hour max. It's not possible for me to be at Miami already. And they're like, well, Bruce, you're right here, mate. Come land. Come have a hot, hot coffee. Tell us about the big cloud. Bruce checked his fuel. He hadn't used enough. There's no way... Given the remaining fuel that, and the time it had taken and the speed of the aircraft, that Bruce could already be in Miami. And Bruce checked his pockets and the key was still in his pockets. The plane's not even on. <laughs> Bruce is seven years old. What? <laughs> <laughs> Bruce has gone on to write a novel about his experiences in the Bermuda Triangle. And he's really ridden this horse into the ground. He's been... On television shows, it's like a movie thing. He has like spoken to everyone that will speak to him about his experiences that day. So is it a cash cow? I don't know. But Bruce's explanation, interestingly, more believable than that of other theorists. Bruce said, it's electric fog. And interestingly, there is a scientific corroboration to this. And that there were big solar winds that day, probably just had a Taco Bell, that would cause Earth's electromagnetosphere to do some wacky waving inflatable arm flailing. And therefore, potentially whip up some cloud anomaly that Bruce could have experienced. It doesn't really explain the time travel, but the clouds potentially. The sun was having an off day. And he took it out on Bruce. By time-traveling him. I'm so pissed off I could just <laughs> hurl someone through space and time. <laughs> What's Bruce up to today? Fuck Bruce! <laughs> ah! Others have said, however, that it's dark energy, which you may have heard of from smash hits like Black Holes in the Universe expanding. But that's really, as far as I can tell, just some words that were said. There's nothing else there. It's just probably dark energy. Why is that? Dark energy in it, probably what that would do. And that's the entire theory around the dark energy. But obviously the fact that Bruce travelled really fast, possibly went through time, could suggest that it was dark matter and there was some time travelling involved. Our next specific incident, before I get into just some general overviews, is Flight 19, which is actually five flights. A little misleading there. On December the 5th, 1945, five General Motors Eastern Aircraft Division TBM Avengers Age of Ultron torpedo bombers were on a training <laughs> mission, combining navigation and bombing. 
when they lost contact with Naval Air Station Fort Lauderdale. The exercise was led by United States Navy Lieutenant Charles Carroll Taylor, who had two and a half thousand hours of flying experience, with the other pilots having around 300 each in their training phase. What's interesting here is that everything was fine until it wasn't. Apparently, the five craft completed the torpedo part of the exercise without issue. Then suddenly the instruments in the plane started behaving abnormally. They were no longer able to tell their location. We don't know what happened to the five flights on that fateful day, but we do have some snippets of radio conversation that the air station reported on. They said that Charles Taylor told them that he didn't know that where he was and that they must have gotten lost after the last turn, that both of his compasses were out. Another pilot is reported to have said, everything looks strange. And the last words that were uttered were, all planes close up tight, we'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we'll all go down together. And then silence. But that's not where the tale of Flight 19 ends. During the search and rescue attempt, a marine flying boat, including all 13 members of its crew, also went missing. Just vanished completely. Gone forever. Everyone's gone. And I think that's what's perhaps most interesting about a lot of the Bermuda Triangle cases, is that nothing is ever found of the ships or the planes. No crew members, no trace whatsoever. For example, in 1918, the USS Cyclops... They're probably like X-Men fans. Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Cyclops. The USS Cyclops, a huge ship with a crew of 306, was sailing from Salvador to the US when it just vanished. And the Navy said they have no idea of what happened to it. It's just gone now. And to make things even stranger, there is predominantly a complete lack of distress calls. No indication something went wrong. Just nothing. Just gone. And typically, if some, you know, like if, if something's happening to a plane or a boat, they'll know about it. If it's a storm, they'll report on the weather. There'll be some panicked calls to the airport stations. <laughs> I don't know plane terminology. <laughs> they'll call the, the plane store and they'll say, we're going to need a new shipment. They call the, the storm chasers. You're going to want to see this. <laughs> so so there's no there's no debris and there's no distress calls Yeah. For, for, for most of these incidents. For most of them. Obviously, like, some of the incidents are fictitious. These two are real. There's, like, definitely enough recorded ones for it to be a phenomenon, too. But... The whole thing is, in most of the cases, there's nothing to suggest that anything went wrong. It just is never found again. The first case, the what's that guy's name? Bruce? Mm-hmm. Is that who you said? I feel like his was kind of weak sauce compared to these other ones where it's like large numbers of people going missing for good. Like that is genuinely a little scary. And it's happened a lot, too. Since the early 1800s, you'll, you'll hear about these ships with well over 100 crew members, and they'll just vanish and nothing more is heard of them. There was one case where it said that the crew members actually turned on each other, and there was a mutiny, and they all started killing each other. There was a ghost ship found in the 1840s called the Rosalie that was found completely empty, apart from a canary on board. Not only is there the lack of distress calls and the complete vanishing, there's also been anomalies in other ships' journeys where, like, something fucked up has happened in that same yeah. space. The The one where people just started killing each other, when was that taking place? That was also the 1800s, I think. Oh, that could have just been 1800s shenanigans. You could do anything back then. Yeah, I've tried to, like, ignore... Not that there's any less valid. If you're from the 1800s, like, I completely, I respect you as a woman and I think you can use your body however you want. But the fact that there was less official ways to record stuff and, like, less immediate communication, I am less excited about 
the 1800s ones. I prefer the recent ones. Yeah, because you could you could also say like, uh, oh, they got blown up by like a patrol boat and then nobody bothered to report it, or somebody came aboard and killed them all, or 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 like press ganged them onto a different ship and then just left it there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean there were a lot of pirates back in the day, and by that I mean like pegleg pirates, not like the Carib. Well, the Caribbean pirates are also pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> we're literally—I was gonna say—we're literally in the Caribbean right now, aren't we? So, what are the the new pirates, Somalian pirates? Who's Captain Phillips' pirates? Like, not those guys. I'm talking about like we have gold and rum pirates. Like those guys were around back then. Are they real? Uh, were they real pirates? Uh, by by the by the 1800s, probably not. To be honest. Oh, were they were they actually like rum pirates though? Yeah, yeah, pirates existed. Yeah, good for them. Apparently Columbus. <laughs> what? What? You, you just didn't, like, you, what did you think of pirates before the podcast today? Well, I didn't know if they were, like, dragons, you know? All right, continue. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just didn't think they were real? Yeah, like mermaids. But these are, like, the concept of someone stealing things but on water was, like, so fantastical. No. You as a British person. <laughs> I just think, I said, like, I know, like, Captain Phillips pirates exist, but were there pirates that had, like, you know, like, Blackbeard? Was there the skull and crossbones? Did they actually have peg legs and parrots and, like, these tons of doubloons? Where are the doubloons coming from? I've never, I don't know of any society <laughs> okay. ever that has used doubloons as a currency so other than pirates. Okay, well, I don't th- I don't know if they call them doubloons, but like that was one of the big things is that the Spanish were like making stupid money off of their American like gold and silver mines, and then Great Britain pulled a little funny on them <laughs> by hiring privateers who were like officially sponsored to just raid the shit out of spanish ships and then you had people you know freelancers you know the gig economy people are like oh that seems like a pretty good a pretty good setup and i don't want to i want to be my own boss so i'm gonna i'm gonna start plundering ships on my own yeah i mean obviously like there probably weren't as many fun peg leg pirates with parrots and stuff but yeah there were definitely like blackbeard was a real guy like that's a real dude a historical figure did he have a little hat? I assume he had probably a sizable hat. If he if he had a comically what? if he had a comically small hat, <laughs> they'd probably just call him small hat or something. <laughs> did he did he have one of those little fluffy white scarf things? I I didn't personally know. I was just trying to ascertain I, how although if pirates are pirates or if pirates are just robbers on the sea. Well, it de- well that's that's what piracy is. <laughs> Are these pirates or these guys that steal things without asking and are also on water? Come on now. Uh, I I vaguely remember hearing that, um, well, Blackbeard's big thing is that he, like, would try to be really scary. Like, he built up this reputation around him. I think he would light fuses in his beard, like, so that he just looked, like, really grisly and fucking unhinged. But, yeah, I don't... I wasn't his, like, makeup guy, so I don't know exactly what Blackbeard looked like or what his accoutrement was. I just want to know how authentic my Sea of Thieves roleplay is. Okay. And you're giving me, like, a 7 out of 10 vibe right now. For what? For my Sea of Thieves roleplay, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, if this was an assignment on, on pirates and how historically real they are. I'm leaning more towards like a four out of ten. <laughs> I just can't believe you like didn't know pirates were real. I kn- James, I've explained to you many times. I know pirates are real, but in the way that they're portrayed in media and culture, <laughs> like in, for example, Hook the movie, right? Captain Hook, he's a pirate, and he lives in Neverland. Is he? <laughs> is he a real pirate? <laughs> Does he steal things, and is he on the open seas? They're just wet robbers, okay, and I don't like that. (laughs) Okay, so... You've exercised your demons today. I'm gonna move on. (laughs) (laughs) The accident was five years ago. 
that's kind of the two primary examples I wanted to give of Bermuda Triangle activity. One of a, a living witness and um, one of like a more interesting case of uh, vessels being lost. But I want to just sort of like touch on explanations. Okay. Both logical, which we hate. We hate the truth here. And fantastical. Super logical. <laughs> Super logical. <laughs> so one explanation. So I'll say that there are a few different potential logical explanations. And by explanation, I just really mean statistically. The amount of ships that pass through that space, flights, boats, whatever, is the volume is so high that you would expect a few to probably go missing, especially in the olden days when the technology wasn't so advanced. The, the high volume plus accidents being likely to happen at some point explains away the Bermuda Triangle to a degree. You know. Yeah, that's that's the explanation that I heard when I was a kid, is that, oh, no shit, things would go missing. That's where all the things are. Right, it's just statistically yeah. likely. A second uh, we hate the truth explanation is some of the deepest trenches in the ocean are in the North Atlantic in this space. When giant sea creatures... I don't know if you know about that, but what? Okay. Like the Kraken, who's friends with the pirates, die. What? What do you want to say about the giant sea creatures, James? No, I just, I just like how you're like, all right, and this is the other logical explanation. All right, deepest trenches. This sounds grounded in reality. And then the giant sea monsters. <laughs> I didn't say monsters. I mean, like blue whales. You called the monsters. I said creatures. Oh, that's like the same it's thing. It's not. Creatures is real. <laughs> Creatures is real. <laughs> it's real to me. Big whales, etc. And their friends, <laughs> the squid, when they die, their bodies decompose and they turn into gas. Right? It creates a lot of gas. And yeah. I heard the word gas ice and it's like these gas stalagmites. I don't know if that's something... I don't know if I fell asleep for a few seconds and dreamt that part, but there is gas. So I don't really think it matters if it turns into ice stalagmites first or not. But the gas erupting from the ocean floor at some point causes the density of the water to be a lot thinner. Is it a thinner density or a lower density? Yeah, lower density. This would cause the ship to sink whenever a gas eruption would happen. And the ship would sink and it would go, you know, straight down, all the way to the ocean floor. Oh because it's so God. deep into these trenches, it's a freak accident and you would never find it. And I was trying to think of how deep the Marianas Trench is. That's horrifying. Like, that's, that's like an unavoidable... Like, you can do everything right and you just... Oh, uh, a whale died. Sorry, you are too now. Can I tell you... Yeah. A tangentially related story about gas that is very kind of kind of it's also about a horrible way to die yep. and it's related to this um when i was in college we visited a waste treatment facility oh. and they had these massive like uh, massive containers shaped like a cylinder they're circular and it was full of wastewater and they were constantly like churning the guy that was giving us the tour said, yeah, the because of the way that it's moving or the way that we're handling this water, it's, um, it's buoyancy or whatever is, is fucked. And he didn't say it like that, but it, basically anything in there immediately would sink to the bottom. And if someone fell in there, there'd be no way of getting them out in time. And like that has been burnt into my brain as like one of the worst ways to go is water in which no matter how hard you try swimming you will always sink so your your gas explanation reminded me of that like quick water yeah did, very fast did anybody ever die there or is this just your brain worrying i well no i think he i think someone had mentioned that or he brought it up independently the if he did bring it up independently i'd assume there've been accidents maybe not in that plant in particular but it it has to have happened somewhere there was like some railing you could have easily jumped in if you wanted to 
I always feel like Brazen Bull would be my worst way to die. But also, did like that? I don't know who what his name was, but it was someone that ph- photographed volcanoes. Like the volcano erupted, oh. and they were running down the side of the hill, and they like got in a cave, and then the lava went over them, and like air boiled them alive, like air fried them. That's a new like phenom- <laughs> people love air frying these days. Have you heard? Obviously, you don't own an air fryer. <laughs> My mom owns an air fryer. <laughs> it's really big. I see them everywhere now. <laughs> This pivoted from, like, horrible ways to die. Have you heard about an air fryer? <laughs> it's actually the newest, coolest way to prepare your meals. Join my MLM Facebook group. <laughs> Guys, no, MLMs are illegal. This isn't that. This is a cool way to be your own boss, trust me. It's just a triangle-shaped company. <laughs> Tied it back in. Other explanations for the Bermuda Triangle... <laughs> Um, have been parallel universes and aliens. Some people say it's also like the portal to Atlantis, but I don't really want to undermine the sort of authenticity and serious nature of conspiracy by trying to say that the Bermuda Triangle leads to the lost city of Atlantis. So I'm just going to stick to aliens for now. Thank you. In 1978... There was a Greek freight ship traveling across the Bermuda Triangle. What do you call a ship that travels? A, a ship. Sailing. I mean, did it have a sail on it? No, that's what I'm wondering. What do you call a ship that doesn't have a sail on it? Shipping? You could just call it a freighter. Was it a freighter? Yeah, but what, what's or... the action it's doing called? It's just traveling. You can just say it's traveling. Okay, there's no specific word, like sailing? You could You could say sailing, probably. Just sounds weird, like if I talked about an aircraft carrier, and then I was like, it's sailing right towards us. Actually, I don't know if, I think that is right. The Greek freight trip was sailing across the Bermuda Triangle, and everyone on board felt like it was moving really fast, but the instrument showed it was the same speed as normal, which is 10 kilometers an hour, and downstairs, there were a few people playing backgammon. And looked out one of the little portal windows and saw three strange objects in the sky in a triangle formation. And they said that they were moving really weirdly. And during this time, they felt like their heartbeats were going really slowly. And when they moved out of this feeling, when they got away from the lights in the sky and when they sort of like came to shore, they realized that the clocks had gone forward two hours even though two hours hadn't passed. And they were referring to it as gravitational time dilation, such as Bruce's experience. But some wacky shit was going on in that freight train. They did like a like a multi-score combo. They were like, okay, we'll do the UFOs. <laughs> we'll do the time dilation. Slow heartbeat, yeah? Are uh, we going super fast as well? Yeah, put fast in there. Move the clocks forward. Uh-huh. How's the compass? Is that spinning? Say that's spinning. <laughs> Captain's crawling on the ceiling. Head 360's projectile vomiting. Good, good. <laughs> How many witnesses is this testimony coming from? Like, is it multiple boys or just a couple boys? I think it was or? just a couple boys that saw the light in the sky, but a few, let's say, felt like the slow heartbeat. And were testament to the time travel component. Those wacky aliens snuck in and changed their clocks. I think that's a little bit of wacky pranksters. Did I tell you that Columbus saw some strange light when he was on the Santa Maria? You just did? Yeah, because he did. So him and those Greek freight boys, they're in cahoots. And that's uh, that's the Bermuda Triangle, James. Wow. Ending it with Christopher Columbus. I did not expect it. I like to circle back to him every now and again. I hate him. I, I wish the aliens would have taken him. Or the Atlanteans. Alright, am, uh, am I doing my part now? Yeah. Historically, that's how that <laughs> happens. Don't get me started on history, bro. We'll be here all day. Talk about pirates. I was really excited for this one because it's kind of a whimsical conspiracy after having two that one might consider a bit more by the books. You know, there's an actual, like, timeline, identifiable figures, motives, things like that with Roswell and the pandemic. So 
with flat earth, I knew I could get off the beaten path a bit, really roll around in the mud with this one, return to my ancient tree roots, you might say. <laughs> but I wanted to limit the scope of the research because I know that, first of all, I'm lazy and I'm getting ready to move to a new house, so I didn't want to sink like my whole week into this. And also there's a specific part of flat earth theory that I was really, really interested in. And it's what's on the edges of the flat earth model. Like what is, what happens when you reach the edge of flat earth? Clem, do you know what, uh... It's turtles. <laughs> is it turtles or fire? Why not both? Oh no, that's sad. In... I don't like that anymore. I take it back. <laughs> Can't be both. I'm sorry, Turtles. In um, Sea of Thieves, as referenced earlier, <laughs> when you get to the edge, you just fall off and get teleported back in again. Oh. <laughs> in historical documentary, Sea of Thieves, as I'm learning now <laughs> today, it's very real. Um, the turtle thing, I think, is like um, some models for the Earth. That's like what's supporting it. Like that's what's holding it all up. Uh, I hadn't heard the fire one. I've never heard that one before. First, I should give some overview. The flat earth model has the North Pole in the center, right? And then all the continents okay. kind of splay outwards from that so that every direction outwards from the North Pole is technically south. And then Antarctica, because normally it would be on the bottom of the globe, is actually stretched out and it's the, it's the edge of the world. It's just a giant ice wall. But what's beyond the wall of ice? That we will get to. <laughs> we will get to that. That is a, a hot, I don't know if I'd say hotly debated topic, but there is some, there is some disagreement on that. Um, the Flat Earth Society wiki, being the absolute authority that it is, claims that Sir James Clark Ross, this guy in the 1800s, we're always going back to the 1800s, he spent like years trying to get around Antarctica and just couldn't find a way through. Being a person somewhat aligned with reality, I <laughs> I feel like that's kind of silly. It's like circling Australia and being like, I just can't get through. There's no there's no way through this damn thing. It's because it's an island. You're just going around in circles. So they look at Ross's like harrowing journey where they're seeing all these beautiful, like never before seen or rarely seen landscapes. They see these big ass mountains. They see a volcano, an active volcano in Antarctica. And the flat earth people, instead of being like, wow, this is a story of perseverance and human exploration, ice wall. It's an ice wall surrounding us and boxing us all in. So that's their common explanation for what it is and why it's like that. Because a guy in the 1800s hugged the coast of Antarctica and couldn't find a way in. Which is relatable. It's kind of like when I'm in Minecraft and I'm trying to get around an island and it's just really really huge i i like it when you hit the the wolf with the bone <laughs> <laughs> i like that bro you don't hit the wolf you feed the bone to the wolf oh, i i just like to the only time i ever go to minecraft i just make a pack of uh, wolf dogs and they follow me around and i worry about them getting lost if i go too far because sometimes they get stuck on the mountains because they, they can't climb so well. They're kind of silly. So we don't go far. I th we don't play Minecraft much. I thought you were a I thought you were a big Minecrafter. Didn't you like make Hogwarts or How something? Dare you? No. I could have. How dare you? Did you lie to me? Listen, one time Harry and I like put like twelve squares down and we were like, "This is the entrance to Hogwarts," and then I got some imagery and then mm. we were like, "This is gonna take a long time, isn't it?" I knew it. Maybe. But actually what? I didn't. Because I thought you'd build Hogwarts in Minecraft. <laughs> this is the real conspiracy. Okay, so you have the ice wall, right? Yeah. What goes past that? One of the ideas is that past the ice wall, you just, since, since we're no longer operating under science as we understand it, it's the idea that the further you go, the colder it gets until you reach absolute zero, and then travel becomes impossible by man or machine. So even if you wanted to go further and further into this frozen hellscape, 
you couldn't. It would be a death sentence. That doesn't answer any question. I didn't say I want to go there. I said what's over there. Well, how can we know if we can't if we can't get there? Well, I can't go across the universe, but we have a pretty good idea because of redshift and shit, right? Well, all those images, the Hubble telescope, NASA, that's all fake and phony, dummy. You believe science is real? Get a clue. No, I would never say that on our podcast. <laughs> I would never say that ever. But I I think it's I I do think it's an interesting parallel to space though because for us globe heads or globe shills as they call us space is like our infinite frontier, right? Like uh, technically not infinite, but you can basically imagine you can go into space for quite a while. And for these guys, the infinity in their world is just this frozen wasteland that surrounds earth and so they have something that's comparable but it's blocked off by government regulations and bureaucracy i had the tragic misfortune of watching a video called antarctica sorry we're closed our hidden flat earth which is uploaded. <laughs> yeah that's the full title if you want to rot your brain there it is uh, it was uploaded by a guy called taboo conspiracy they also call him Ben. I don't I don't know what's going on there. His channel got taken down a few times, so now he's on like Taboo Conspiracy 3, probably due to horrendous misinformation that's unrelated to what I'm about to say. But this guy in this video, whose title I will never say again, says that visiting the ice wall, just just the ice wall is already almost impossible due to the Antarctica Treaty that most developed nations on the world have agreed to, which outlines just completely insane things like, hey, private individuals who are coming to Antarctica, you have to submit to regulations and inspections to make sure you're not polluting what is otherwise a pristine and unique environment in nature. And the dude just goes apeshit about this. Like, he cannot fathom that people aren't allowed to just traipse all over Antarctica and litter and piss and shit all over this new continent. Thoughts on that? I really wanted to piss and shit all over the new continent. That's gonna be a, that's gonna be a teaser for the, <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> But yeah, and it does sound a little tedious because there are parts that say like you can't bring any motorized vehicles, you can't bring any animals with you that are non-native. If you plan on being there for an extended period of time, you need to get a permit and you need to jump through some hoops to figure out where you're going to put your shit, your literal shit. But he compares it to like, if I were going to France and they made me check in and said I couldn't, I couldn't stomp on the wildlife or poop, you'd think that's ridiculous. It's like, dude, you're, you're visiting Antarctica. Like there's literally no like human presence there that's permanent. This is a cool environment that we want to preserve. Anyway, I'm getting pissed off at this guy ahead of time. He did bring up a really cool clip though. Uh, there's this guy named Admiral Byrd, who's an American admiral. <laughs> it's a real, he's real, okay? This isn't like Barney Barn whatever the fuck. That guy that I made up in the Roswell episode. It's not made up by the way, it's go watch it or listen to it. Watch it too on YouTube. Admiral Byrd is an American, or he was an American admiral who was famous for making these expeditions to Antarctica. Really brave dude. During one of the expeditions, he actually almost died due to, I want to say, carbon monoxide poisoning because the stove in his like little station something was fucky with it and he was literally like alone in it and he had to start like radio radioing to people like hey i think i'm fucked here and people managed to rescue him but on live tv he said something to the effect of yeah there's land about the size of the continental united states south of antarctica that we mankind hasn't touched yet it was kind of like what the fuck is this guy talking about that's not right. That doesn't line up with our understanding of the earth. So people who adhere to flat earth theory and people who believe in this ice wall think that that is proof that Antarctica is much larger than we think it is because this veteran explorer and well-respected guy made this comment on television. And he's real, unlike pirates. I still don't see how the size of Antarctica impacts flatness of earth well 
it's one of the it's one of the sticking points is that if Antarctica is larger than what us globeheads say it is, it doesn't fit with globular Earth because it would be too too large. And so that's what these guys are saying is that it's Antarctica is simply too large to make sense with the globe model. These guys are saying that like Antarctica is so massive that it's larger than like all the other continents combined. And it's just a secret. And all these regulations are put into place to make sure people don't discover the truth. Even so, I feel that flat... Make it an eight. Make it like an eight shape. Like a glass time measurement. What's it called? The glass time measuring sand mobile? Hourglass. Yeah, make it that shape. Why'd you put mobile in there? <laughs> I like, Sometimes... I just say what my brain wants me to. So I don't have control over that, James. So true, bestie. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, like, their their idea of existence is basically like a snow globe. Like, there's, a, there's the flat plane, and then there's the dome that's over the top of us, and that's what all the stars and the sun and the moon are in. Or I guess the moon, like, floats around in it somehow they also believe that any videos showing like in antarctica 24 hour sun cycle where it's never nighttime they just say that's that's false that's not real so it's really hard to like puncture their idea of what the world is fascinating and i never expected that from conspiracy theorists i always wonder like what why they don't want to do a listen well i don't think they logic their way into believing it though do i can't remember do we have this talk on the podcast you can't logic your way out of a position that you didn't logic your way into oh maybe yeah i think it's just one of those where you need to so i i actually during my research i saw a few videos that were basically how to debunk flat earth without science like, people are trying to find ways to argue against flat earthers without having to be shackled to such things as scientific measurement or evidence or proof or anything like that. They're fighting fire with fire, and I respect that. This this Ben Taboo conspiracy guy, aside from that clip of Admiral Byrd, which I did find really interesting, and his whole life story was, was kind of cool... It's just him whining that he can't trample over an ecologically unique area. Like, I bet he would flip a tit if he realized how hard it would be to to travel up Mount Everest or to go to a wildlife preserve in Costa Rica or something. Moving on from Ben, I found a <laughs> another... I, I could only find, like, one other decent video because I'd say around 2019 big tech companies really did start to hammer down on conspiracy theory and misinformation videos, which on one hand, probably better for public mental health, but is really hard to find crazy people to make fun of. So double-edged sword there. You really think of the podcast. Yeah, come on, dude. Think of the podcast. Who cares about public misinformation campaigns and people coordinating insane conspiracy theories with each other that completely deny reality. I need my content, damn it. (laughs) So I find this guy named David Weiss who explains that we're basically living in the Antarctica basin where all the water comes down from Antarctica and then we've got the land in the middle. He incoherently talks about people going out to Antarctica, various parties, Uh, One of which is John Kerry on 2016 election night, which he did. He did go out there. That was weird timing. He says Hitler and the Nazis went out into Antarctica. He says just global elites didn't give any other examples. So he kind of, he pitches out the idea that there's a hidden paradise out there that us poor people don't know about. And so on one hand, infinite frozen hellscape. Or infinite frozen hellscape, but there's like a little bubble somewhere, and Bill Gates and Uh-oh. all of them are chumming oh. around. Or I don't know. It's the Birkenstock Owl Camp, but in Antarctica. Yeah, whatever you just build a bug. Build a bug. Build a bear. Build a bear. There's got to be a good conspiracy on Build a Bear. 
And while I was researching Mr. Weiss, I found out that there's like beef between flat earthers. David Weiss has the Flat Earth International Conference, which is like the the up and coming flat earthers. These are like the new guys. And then the Flat Earth Society is like the aristocratic old money of the Flat Earth conspiracy with their their wiki page, which only had like one source on the ice wall page. I was a little disappointed in that. My answers to what is past Antarctica at this point were either absolute zero degree winter frozen land, a secret paradise that the global elites can hide in, or it's like a combination of the two. I got desperate for other alternatives, and I went to Reddit, home of the top minds of the internet, and I did a little bit of digging. It was kind of similar to Ancient Trees, where... It seems like it was just a lot of people repeating the same theories with slight variations on it. But I did happen upon a third, like, completely different theory about why we have so many regulations regarding Antarctica. And apparently in the 70s, the United States government ordered a shitload of pineal glands from penguins. That originated from the <laughs> South Pole. Don't laugh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, if I was writing a novel about some like wacky, evil inventor, like Megamind, like on acid, and he was just like completely fucked, and I really wanted him to like take on the United States, and they had this big battle of evil, is it the fucking nefarious government or is it the crazy scientist guy neither of them would steal the pineal glands of penguins well listen i saw a lot of pseudoscience surrounding it where people were saying bro they use whale oil to make nuclear bombs and this uh, the secretions from the penguins pineal glands could be a replacement for that uh, some other person started going off on this whack-ass tangent about how by using the secretions of the pineal glands or, or experimenting on them, the United States government was beginning to experiment with mind control and how to turn us all into automatons. That's how you say that word, right? Yeah. Automatonomatons. And turn us into slaves. And then, but soon after the penguin research, I stopped because it was becoming increasingly apparent that the people talking about this conspiracy were just kind of rehashing the same theories. And my second reason I stopped is because I got sad for penguins and I wanted to be done. So, the ice wall! It does make sense, though, because penguins love ice. (laughs) Go on. That's it. That's I've concluded. <laughs> Pretty stronger. Okay, well, to to force myself to confront my demons here, I I did like pop into a few abstracts regarding like writings about those studies, and it had to do with the immense amount of like light exposure that happens at the southern extremities because you know the sun's out all the fucking time for parts, and then the sun is fucking gone for parts of it. So, I'm sure there's some interesting things to learn from animals down there, but also happy feet. Oh, so, flat earth, blah, 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 ice wall, blah, blah, penguins. (laughs) But what, (laughs) do they think that we exist in space? No, space isn't real. Oh. They don't think space is real. Oh, this is it? It's that, just earth and ice well, forever? Well, that's, that's why I said that it's a weird alternative to our our understanding of, like, infinity. Like, our our understanding of, like, the infinite everything around us is there's other planets, there's other galaxies, you've got stars, you've got comets, you've got all this other happy shit, black holes, yada yada. For them, it's a massive snow globe with a dome over it like the we just or i should say that that's part of the globe like the glass part that's the heavenly dome that's over us and that's it so is the is it ice forever or is it just the concept of actual nothingness outside the dome and they don't want to really confront what that means i i've heard people say that it's just ice 
And so eventually you just reach absolute zero and it's pitch black and cold and meaningless. Um, I've seen, and not during my research of this, it was further back. I remember I was interested in the topic. And so my memory is a little foggy, but other people postulated that it would be like earth is earth is in our little pocket here. Right. And then if you went further out into like that ice waste nothingness, you might hit other quote unquote worlds that are all like tucked away in their old patches of cold isolation. And so if you could like bubble, wrap. yeah, like if you can get through that frozen wasteland, you might be able to find a new world out there. So they're just substituting space time for ice time. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. And and the Antarctic Treaty, or the Antarctica Treaty, that is what's keeping people from getting out there. But also, it's physically impossible to get out there, depending on what part of the theory you believe. So it's a double whammy. It's the world's governments are preventing people from bringing the resources that would be required to traverse the the icy wasteland. And why do they want flat earth? Uh, a lot of people just kind of say, oh, the science is there. It doesn't make any sense. Globe earth doesn't exist. It's not real. And so they, they okay. default to flat earth. Yeah, it's basically a cult. Like, um... Oh, I am, I'm going to do a plug for Folding Ideas in Search of a Flat Earth. I think that video really sums up the mindset that you need to be in to really buy into Flat Earth or many other conspiracies. But I think it's a, I think it's a mentality of I'm going to be made fun of if I'm alone in my thinking about this. So I need a community of other wacky people to buy into this together. I don't know, it's it's weird. Is it like an ongoing thing? You know, like so I like fountain pens, so I'll go to the fountain pen subreddit every day and look at people's new pens and new inks and stuff, right? But flat earth, I decide that I believe flat earth. Do I keep going there all the time? Like is it a lifestyle now? Yeah. Yeah, like there's like I mentioned before, there's conferences, there's meetups, there's I mean there's even friction between like the different groups as to what's true or what's not true david weiss called the flat earth society he says that they're a government controlled body like they're controlled opposition so there's ongoing dialogue amongst these guys it's not just like oh earth's flat game over even the people who run some of these uh some of these groups they say like yeah we don't know all the answers yet so we're still trying to figure things out. So I imagine it is kind of time consuming to try to create a new model of the world while also just doing away with science and any prior understanding of the world. Yeah, because I, I, when you first mentioned the conferences, I imagined it to be like a Scientology movement. Like they've just been to a city, they're setting up a conference, they'll get you to come along and sort of sell you into the idea of it really romance you into the idea of it and then sort of like fuck off and then it's just you giving them money for the rest of your involvement and i wasn't sure if it was like the same thing like they sort of entice you they they give you the pitch and then you're off and now you're a flat earther but it's just like people that have been involved for a long time they come to find out the hot new takes on how it is flat earth yeah and i'm sure there's some grift to it i'm sure there's some people who are just in it for the money but it truly sounds like a very close-knit community, if if not just because of like the cultishness of it, but also out of necessity, because this is the kind of thing that gets you ostracized from <laughs> most public spaces. And so I think a lot of these people are kind of desperate to have somebody to bounce ideas off of or just be cordial with not not to like not to get too sympathetic with them but i could see where some of them would be you know a little lonely maybe they have like a flat earth dating site <laughs> i can't think of a fun name for it though right now and i'm very frustrated flat earth <laughs> curvy bodies that's what i was thinking too <laughs> i was trying to think of the most pg oh, <laughs> oh man should we uh should we compare sizes now?
right, James. Let's put these two bad boys together. What would we start with? Hook. hook? It's always Let's hook. It's always been a hook. <laughs> Kenny's gonna be so annoyed at how loud this is. <laughs> uh, energy in our podcast. All right. Let's put them together. Hook. Bel- Which one do you think is the most believable? Uh, I find the Bermuda Triangle to be way more believable because when you were talking about the equipment failures. And all that happy shit, or or even the the weird gas bubbles, like that stuff can be attributed to natural occurrences. Like if solar winds fuck with navigation equipment, the gas bubbles could sink boys. Like that stuff makes sense to me. True, but that's not. I wouldn't. Is that part of the conspiracy? Or is that the real reason? You know? Oh, I see what you mean. Cause yeah, like is it. Is it Bermuda Triangle is dangerous for mundane reasons or Bermuda Triangle is dangerous for spooky reasons? Spooky, yeah. I still, like, I still believe it more than Flat Earth. Yeah. Like, I can, yeah. I can, buy, I can <laughs> buy into aliens or, like, an underwater facility that's somehow either directly or indirectly doing away with ships, but... Man, Flat Earth is a huge fucking hurdle, believability-wise. With Bermuda Triangle, aliens, we all know they exist, it's just to what degree. Let's bring the Fermi Paradox back. (laughs) It's time dilation, gravitational pull, space-time, all of that stuff, potentially... I think this popular science eats that shit up. Is it happening over the Bermuda Triangle? Probably not. But Flat Earth is one of the least believable conspiracy theories imaginable. And I think we could pit pretty much anything against it and Flat Earth would lose. Did I tell you that Flat Earthers also still debate whether gravity is real? That's the level Don't of listen. like believability we're operating with when we talk about Flat Earth. I can see why, because you wouldn't have gravity with a Flat Earth, right? I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. It makes sense from their perspective that it's not real. True. I guess. But then why aren't we all floating into the dome? Well, because space isn't real. Oh, yeah. So, one for (laughs) the Bermuda Triangle, please. (laughs) Next up, Deep Impact. Okay, well, that's it. (laughs) I don't think there's anything to be discussed here either. Good job, Flat. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of the advantages of having a a conspiracy so wholeheartedly unhinged, unmoored from science, reality as we understand it, is if this was true, it would just be the most insane shit ever. We would feel silly though, wouldn't we? That would be a really, like, rewarding I told you so moment for those guys. Oh my god. I can't imagine the, like, ego inflation that would occur if you could, I told you so, the Earth being a fucking snow globe. But be, imagine being, like, one of the guys behind the cover-up. I think that even they wouldn't believe that it wasn't just a coincidence. They'd be like, there's no way they saw through this facade. This is just one person had a little bit of a break, made this shit up, and it happened to be true. <laughs> yeah. I bet that's happened before, too. I wonder if that's ever happened, where someone's, like, made something up because, for whatever reason, and it just happens to be the real truth. That must have happened. Not out of pure circumstance or luck, but there have been, like, authors who have... I can't remember if that was me and you just talking about this. Oh, the Titanic well, well, one, well, too. The, yeah, the Titanic one, and then there's there have been a few other authors who've written about, like, military stuff. And they've been, like, put into, uh, not custody, but they've basically been interrogated and been like, how the hell did you know about this? And they're like, I just kind of know a little bit about military stuff, and I filled in the blanks in my head. And they, and people have thought, like, you, you stole, like, blueprints or something. So, some people have gotten lucky and guessed stuff, so. I'll be taking the point for whatever category we're in right now. Deep impact. Impacted deeply. The X Factor. X Factor, the category for Monona's Inception. Honestly, Flat Earth. Flat Earth is... Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something, like, really sad, but kind of cool about it. Like, the idea of an infinite plane that we're living on. Because part, part of it is sad because we lose space, rip space. 
But I think it's kind of cool to imagine that with my own two feet, I could feasibly walk an infinite plane of existence. I mean, sure. I haven't... I don't think I've walked half a mile <laughs> in 2021. So that's not really what's getting me with that. I think, like, the Bermuda Triangle, it's a more innate, like, human unease, right? It's like something strange is happening there. The sea is really deep. There's some sort of... There's something, like, m- minorly Lovecraftian about, like, what could potentially be related to the Bermuda Triangle. Is it a beast? Is it aliens? Is it just something that's slightly off about it? But ultimately, a lot of our stories have that vibe to it, whereas there's not that many popular media (laughs) creations that can really compete with, oh no, the earth is actually flat, everything you know is a lie. Stars aren't real. Ice forever. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I get what you're saying about the Bermuda Triangle, though. I do like that there are personal accounts, which make it way more, like, I don't know, like, I felt bad people are going missing. Like, that sound, like, when you were talking about the last, like, radio transmission from that one pilot, like, that was, like, actually sad. And so it's a more personal tale. But at the end of the day, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as, it's not as cool as living in a snow globe, bro. It's true. All right, congratulations, Flat Earth. You win. We did it. We did a team. Are you going to interview me now? I, I mean, I won. Uh, how do you feel, James? Well, now I don't know how to feel. You didn't, didn't, didn't seem like you wanted to interview me. So I just feel like a win for Flat Earth is a, <laughs> it's a loss. It's a loss for us. <laughs> <laughs> a win for Flat Earth is a loss for anyone with at least two brain cells. Yeah, and it's a very, it's just like the tree one where the conspiracy theorists are so smug. And so I was just like straining to fight through it, to get through my little bit of research there. Clem, thanks for, thanks for coming over to my place for a change. That was, that was weird. I know my pogo stick's going to need a new spring. (laughs) Oh, if I had a nickel for every time, uh, go follow us on Twitter at clash conspiracy, uh, yell out conspiracies that we should do because, We can't possibly know them all, so give us your best ones. Or your worst ones. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) 